Queen, South Dakota. It's the Ruttons Times 3 coming at you live again here uh, this month. This is uh, the second uh, go-round of the Ruttons stealing the show here on Seize the Day and rolling the dice. And I guess <laughs> I, I guess after August they invited us back, so that must have been a good thing. But I'm kind of surprised. Uh, how are we doing this morning, brothers? Well, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> but we're not going to let John talk for a while. We're... Uh, Fixing a little technical difficulty here at the headset oh, uh, with Father John Rutten. There we go. There we go. Now, now we're rolling. Now, now we're going. All right. The mojo's back. Uh, good morning, everybody. <laughs> the Welcome to the, mo- the mojo. <laughs> Come on now. Here's Joe. I'm John. <laughs> and Father Paul. Well, I'm the mojon. <laughs> mojo and mojon. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, oh, have mercy. Uh, well, <laughs> right? Lord, Lord I mercy. totally Sorry. need that Wow. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we let's, do a, let's do a formal introduction here, Alba. Uh, uh, Joe Rutten, John, Father John Rutten, Father Paul Rutten here at Lamb Catholic Radio. Uh, Lamb Catholic Radio based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at, uh, really broadcasting across the state of South, uh, Eastern Diocese of South Dakota. But uh, there's a few people live listening to us from more places than South Dakota. I, I got to give a shout out this morning to the California uh, cousins. There's a few, uh, Anne's aunt. Uh, there's a few people in California, uh, 5 o'clock in the morning out there, waking up, listening to us, so we appreciate you being with us. We got Angie, we got a new cousin, long-lost relative that we found. She's up in uh, Brainerd, Minnesota, uh, listening this morning. So it's great having everybody with us at Lamb Catholic Radio for Rutten Times 3. Good morning. How are we doing? Doing great. <laughs> doing very well. Doing very well. I'm doing well. So... Uh, Labor Day. What did we do for Labor Day, brothers? Well, I uh, there's a family out in Clark, South Dakota that has a hunting lodge, and they open it up to the priest for Labor Day. Oh, uh, that's so nice. So yeah, we ate well, we prayed well, we didn't golf well, but we golfed. So you um, and a handful of other, other priests? Yep. Really? Yep. John, did you get in on that? I did not get no. on it. Wow. No, I had um, a friend in town, Deacon oh. Ben Wittenable, was here from the Twin Cities. Uh, finishing up his last year of seminary and decided to come f- spend a few days in Sioux Falls at St. Lambert before he uh, started up. So I spent the day with him and we went, uh, went, oh, we went to get this barbecue. There's this barbecue shop over uh, Louise Avenue. Ah, it, yeah, a little shout out, out to the yeah, to Louise it, Avenue barbecue shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is look, this shack, is like right? this is like Garrison Keeler. We should make sure we get some advertising <laughs> revenue from it. <laughs> Buttermilk biscuits. <laughs> uh, no, we went to get this great barbecue over there with my buddy. I wanted to introduce him to some unique things at Sioux Falls. And we get there, and they're closed on Mondays. Do you know how depressing this is for me? <laughs> I have one day free know, all week long. There's a lot. And of- the barbecue place is closed, and CH Patisserie is closed. Ooh. It's, like, devastating. Yeah. So I did that. We went hiking. We went and uh, ate at some friends' houses. We watched a movie, Life is Beautiful. Oh, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. I thought I was going to be watching a beautiful movie. <laughs> the thing's going on, and I'm like, this is about <laughs> the concentration camp? What are we watching? So yeah. it was be- in the end, it was beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, for those listening, there's really no program. We just kind of get on and shoot the bull a little bit, have fun, laugh, and uh, talk about faith, family, and, uh, well, I was going to throw a third F in there for football, but after uh, Notre oh, Dame's let's not depressing show this weekend, uh, we might want to replace that with a little Saint talk. And my, my 
uh, my third is frivolity. 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 All right. We're, st we're still searching for a title for the program, so anybody out there got any ideas, uh, mm -hmm. shoot, shoot us up, and we'll figure it out as we go here. So, uh, well... I uh, had a man project for the weekend, so I uh, I got I got something nice done. I got to give a shout out to my brother Tom down in Canton. Uh, <laughs> he's the uh, the actual one that works for a living. <laughs> he he uh, uh, with Rutten Structures owns his own business down there. But he was uh, kind enough, came up, helped me out. We put a pad of concrete down, and I got myself a new yard shack. Nice. Yeah, twelve by eight, insulated, the whole works. So. Insulated. Well, you know, just in case I get kicked out to the to the shed in the winter, yeah, the 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 man-sized doghouse. Um, it's got to be it's got to be insulated, right? Well, so anyway, I went to uh, went and kind of finished it off, and we're getting that dialed in. So that was my Labor Day, and uh, it was a good one. So shout out to uh, all those workers out there, the laborers. I think that's what we celebrate there for Labor Day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> from your priests a shout out for uh to all the laborers so great well uh why don't we kick it off here a little vatican news and notes what's going on in the church you know one of the best parts about being catholic i find is uh we're a global church and uh we're, it's not a centralized localized church you, you have this broader connection with people all over the world obviously uh the head fella the the big cheese is based out of rome and uh the pope uh, so what's been going on? I think I heard he had a little party in in Rome this uh, past weekend. Well, fellas, you want to tell me what was going on? Yeah, this uh, on Sunday, Pope Francis, our Holy Father, uh, canonized Mother Teresa, uh, now Saint Teresa of Calcutta, uh, in Saint Peter's Square. Uh, again, probably one of the ones most people already had canonized while she was alive. Hmm. Uh, a woman who just uh, embodied. Everything that we know we're supposed to do and be as Christians. Uh, Sunday, it became official that she is a saint. Uh, she now resides in heaven with God. Yeah, yeah. What, is, what does that mean? It, for the most people listening, maybe they have a little bit of an idea, but I find even Catholics oftentimes can't always articulate or don't always know exactly what some of the church stuff is. What does it mean when the church says somebody's a saint? Sure. It simply means that, that they are now spending eternity with God. Uh, with the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, and all of those who reside in heaven. So, saints are uh, anyone in heaven. So, uh, when we die, we don't necessarily just automatically become a saint? No, 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 not guaranteed, no matter what uh, people might think or say. Uh, it, it really is the ability to live with divine grace in your soul, uh, and at the end of your life, to choose to live with God for eternity. And so if and we don't all die and become immediately saints, what happens to some of us that hopefully get to heaven but don't quite get there right away? Well, as Catholics, we understand that God is a merciful God and God does desire for us to be in heaven with him. And so uh, we believe that if someone dies uh, in, in the state of grace but not fully uh, united to God, that there is a place, a time they spend uh, called purgatory. Mm. Uh, and purgatory really is that final moment in which God finishes that which we cannot do or did not do uh, in cooperation with his own grace. Uh, it can sometimes be a sticking point. People can sometimes misunderstand it or think that, you know, it's not necessary. Uh, but I think if, at least for me, when I look at myself, I, I know, you know, I think about this and I want to go to heaven, but I have to be honest and say, you know, sometimes earthly things are appealing. <laughs> and until I can have that all in a proper order, and in a proper uh, 
way. Uh, I, I can't say that, that heaven is my, my complete and total desire and goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the church would also say you don't have to go to purgatory. You can go straight to heaven. But, but you got to do the work now. But, right. You just have to have done all the work or allow God's grace yep, to do, yep. do all that work while exactly, you're here on earth. Exactly. And, and that's the part I think that we miss mm-hmm. uh, is it's really God's uh, last moment of grace for us yeah. to, to have done. You know, and I think we, we what was beautiful, uh, uh, Justice Scalia's funeral, if you watched the funeral and listened uh, to his son preach about him, uh, he talked about it. He said, my dad was a great man. My dad was a great father. My father was not perfect. Uh, and he would want us to continue to pray for him. Uh, and he knew that Jesus would finish that which he would not get done here on earth. Boy, I think we got some catechetical lessons we could be doing here. As we, I mean, There's a lot of ways to jump off in this prayers for the dead, having masses said for people, and all those things. Yeah, and I, I found uh, in the conversation about Mother Teresa that, that what's important for me to continue to put forth is everyone is called the sanctity. Right. Mm-hmm. And that even in Scripture in the early days, uh, a saint was everyone that was following Jesus, lowercase s. Right. Yep. So, like, and, and it was soon after that that the recognition in the church was that we need to identify those who aren't like Scalia and can say everything this person has was was near perfect. They had heroic virtue right. in this life, and yep. you aren't going to overturn a stone and find out, oh, my yep. gosh, they were really a scoundrel. Yep. But the rest of us, hey, just... Overturn, overturn the stones. Like, we're scoundrels. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but we can say we belong to these people who this is possible. Right. Yeah, there are brothers and right. sisters, right? Well, it, it's, it, it, it better be possible for all of us, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So and I think they give us hope. They give us first, hope. It was our first reading yesterday at Mass. St. Paul listed all of these things, all these awful things, you know, greedy, <laughs> idolatry, you know, moral, all these things. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And he says, and that was who we once were. Hmm. And now we live in Christ, and and Christ is in us, and this is the new person. And again, I think this is that reality that people forget is saints, living saints, have a past. And that past isn't perfect, uh, and it's not always clean. uh, But because we allow God's grace, God's mercy into our life, we allow him to continue to transform us. And we can admit, you know, I was a scoundrel, or I was Mm -hmm. this, or I was that. But I've learned a new way to live, and and that's Christ living in me uh, in a real way. Uh, and, it, and I can forget that. You know, I can forget that, that that's uh, how I'm supposed to live. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it's not guaranteed. You know, it's, uh, it, we're all called the saints. And, uh, but, you know, football players are called to be saints. I think of Philip Rivers, you know, he's quarterback for the Chargers. Football season's gearing up, whatever else, you know. And, and in some ways, Philip Rivers or these types of people are kind of like saints in that they, they're somebody of greatness and a different field, but they inspire us to be better in our own faith when we hear that they're Catholic too. And we kind of take solidarity in that. It, it, but yeah. we're all called to this. I, I talked to but, Father Ramos uh, yesterday. I'm writing an article on uh, prisoners, people in jail, and people in the penitentiary. And so he works with the correctional facilities in, in the jail here in Sioux Falls. And you know, he said, he said, my whole goal is, my number one goal is to get them to heaven. Sure. And I think, you know, even for Father Ramos, it's as simple sometimes as saying, whatever we're doing today, you know, you're listening at home, you're getting ready for the morning, you're taking care of the baby, shout out to my wife, Laura. Uh, <laughs> our whole goal is to get to heaven for us and for our loved ones. Yeah, but I think one of the, one of the dangers, though, is a, a Philip Rivers analogy, or even Mother Teresa, is it excuses me then. Well, I, I could never play football like that. I could never be like that. Uh, and Mother Teresa said, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to be like you. Mm-hmm. 
And that real challenge to stop excusing, why are we not saints? What's our excuse? You know, and last night we were talking. We were talking. It gets personal. Well, in a group, uh, in our discipleship group. And I said, you know, here's, I think, one of the sad parts of the, of the church is we have very few lay canonized saints. Mm. And so for the average lay person, they look at saints and it's, it's nuns, it's priests, bishops, it's all these religious people in the church. And, and, and they say, but what does it look like for me? Hmm. Yeah. What does sanctity look like for me? And, and what's my challenge? Yeah. You know, now we do have Trez's parents uh, who were canonized. Mm-hmm. You know, my, Gianna. Yeah, Gianna, there's a, there's uh, a number and, late, you, you recently. Know, yeah. And then we'll have a new one here in October. Uh, Jose Del Rio. Sanchez, oh, yeah. Yeah. All uh, his stories. Young boy. Uh, inspiring. Inspiring. Yeah. And I think every teenage boy needs to see the story of his life. I agree. Well, that's a perfect example of how we live this culture. When a young boy or a young man expre- uh, expresses or shows signs of holiness, or a young woman, a little girl, shows signs of holiness, we want the temptation, to be a, be a priest. Yeah, go to, or the, yeah. Go to the, the convent and stuff. And, and that's like, what? No, no, be, no a, be a holy be mother. Be God holy wants father, you to be. Husband, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, and I think about Mother Teresa's canonization and being over there. We are blessed to have uh, Joe Shulton, <coughs> soon to be ordained a deacon, studying over there. Scott Miller yep. and Tony, Tony Klein, Klein are over there. Uh, and good holy men that are seeking God's will. But there's, like, a lot of them back here that right. are seeking God's will through marriage or mm-hmm. through just yeah. being college level. students yep. or high school students. Well, and even myself going to seminary and not becoming a priest... Um, I think that we forget that you can, you can go to seminary, you can discern these things, but whether I'm a priest or not doesn't determine whether or not I'm supposed to be a good person or a holy person right. or a person that prays. No, I'm supposed to do that no matter what my vocation <laughs> is. It's just how it is that God's asking me to live that well, out. And I think the other hard part is, is what does that look like? And I think for the world, it looks like somebody that constantly prays, constantly is in church and is constantly, you know, living this particular life that's dull or boring and and you look at other people, and, and they live, you know, they live this life with great zeal and great excitement and joy, uh, and they're not always perfect in, in that, but but they're not just always in church, and, and, and they're, they're, they're a person of great character at work, they're a person of great character, at, you know, when they're at an event, and there's something about them that when people meet them, they want to know what, what makes this person different, and they can't always put their finger on it, and I think that's yeah. the beauty, yeah. is when it's so evident, like... Then you then you think okay well that's that's well just, and you can you can just name them in your head they come to your like Becky Jardine like people just jump into your mind you're like that's a person that's awesome well what makes them awesome well they've got that yeah. radiating joy they've got that faith sure. they've got that desire in their heart and they're doing the right yeah. thing you know uh, a, uh, we have that a faith and business conference each summer here that I help coordinate and run John I think you were able to attend this this past one and Andreas Widmer one of the speakers talked about John Paul II he was a Swiss guard for John Paul II he said you know John Paul II canonized a lot of saints made a lot of saints and he said he did so because he wanted to make sure that we had lots of examples of Mm -hmm. different people and lifestyles and ways of living of people that are called to be holy and so I think of like people like Pier Giorgio Frassati, you know, here's a guy that didn't, he, he, he received daily communion, went to church daily, prayed, all these different things, but he wanted to be, become an engineer specifically so he could go into the mines where priests couldn't go so he could bring the gospel, he could bring joy, he could bring hope 
to the fellas working in the mines, yeah, you know, and that's all of us. So whatever you're going to be doing this morning, wherever you're going to go, kind of earn your living uh, today as the eight o'clock hour might be coming up for the those in California. You got a couple hours yet, uh, but wherever it is, you're called to be holy. You're called to bring Christ. You're called to be, a, you know, a saint yeah. uh, at, at the office today. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's important to realize is we're still in communion with the saints. They're not somehow in a place that we can't touch. Uh, and so it's not just studying the historical figure who lived in a time you know, far, far away, but it's becoming aware of them still alive and present to us in our day and age today. Amen, they're right here. And with this, us. Is, you know, this is so helpful, I think, for, for many people uh, when you begin to discover that, that they want to be a part of your life today. Yeah, talk to you them, know, And right? probably the, the most famous or common one would be St. Therese of Lisieux, and, and the roses. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and she, she, her sort of way of letting you know that she's hearing you, uh, she's a part of your life, she's answering, is a rose. You know, you think of the countless stories. Now, again, in our world, people could say, oh, it's just a coincidence. But for those of us who have faith. Well, and, and the more that you live this life, the more that you see it just in ordinary ways, that, you know, it's not like I got to go out and make this happen. The, right. the sanctity is recognizing something is happening mm-hmm. that's not of me. Right, and right. so I remember thinking, like, all this stuff was way out there. And then I become a priest. And number one, you get humbled real quickly. <laughs> you realize, I don't have an answer for any of you. <laughs> like, the truth of the matter is, I go home at night and I don't have my own answers, sure. let but alone all of yours. I, I, still, I still remember when I was newly ordained, Rick, our oldest brother, said, People listen to you? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, sometimes they listen to you. And yeah, I'm as surprised as you are. And what old brother wouldn't look down and think, what do you mean somebody listens to you? Like, they take your advice. That's I'm awesome. like, oh, this, the yeah. yeah. And so when, I, when you get humbled, when you get in a position where you really realize your inadequacy, <laughs> you begin to discover something happening yep. that's not of you. And I remember uh, anointing this person one time and wanting to follow up and make sure that a family member knew that they were anointed. And um, and it took some time to figure out who their family were by themselves when they passed away. And by God's providence, I was called in there. And um, they, at the end of their life, I, I found this family member. And this family member is on the West Coast. And they said, you know, I've just had to make space between... Yep. Me and my family member, and um, I never wanted it. And she said, you know, the other day, my daughter and I came home from grocery shopping and opened up the door to the house, and the whole place was filled with the presence of roses. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And Goosebumps. I'm like, on the other phone, I remember I was sitting in the in the parking lot at the parish right in front of the garage with the door closed. I'll never forget it. And I thought, when was that? When was it? The exact same time I was there oh my giving gosh. the sacraments. Praise God. And so I thought to myself, like, right here is it. But it yep. takes a really, a woman at the end of her life totally having given up. Oh. It takes me realizing I have no business being here except God put me mm-hmm. here. And, and yet a desire in me to, like, follow this. I want someone to know. I don't yep. want their family to be left alone. I understand that. In our own family, you yep. have all kinds of dynamics. And uh, and here it is. Now, I can't, but that's God's providence. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's real or not real. All I know is, at that moment, I was changed and realized the work of miracles is not something for the Bible, and it's not something mm-hmm. for a book on saints. It's for life. It just yeah. takes a disposition to realize, I don't have what I'm looking for. It takes brokenness, weakness. Yeah. And this is why Jesus said, they're getting into the kingdom of God before you. Right. Yeah. 
because they're in a disposition to see the kingdom of God happening to them. Right. And all we have to do then is say, yes. Amen. Yes, Lord. Open I, your I hearts. You. And, right. yeah. So, you know, what a great reminder to all of us that at each, each moment, each day, that we, we want to wake up, open our hearts to the Lord, say, Lord, what is it that you want for me today? And how, how can you use me? Let me be a worker in your vineyard. Uh, like the saints, but in, in, this, in our own particular way. And, sure. and I think also, though, then at the end of the night, to, to do a recollection mm-hmm. so that you don't miss it. And yeah. this is, that's yeah. the amazing thing is, you know, the Holy Spirit can be so subtle that I think sometimes people overlook it. Yeah. And the scripture says we hear that <laughs> the Lord speaks in the whisper, right? You know, and so that ability to, to just be quiet for five minutes uh, and to be able to, to say, Lord, where were you today and maybe I missed it? And then allow that moment, whatever comes, to really help you see like, oh my gosh, that was it. Because I think sometimes we, we can't imagine that that's it. Because we're, because it's so new, you know. Again, yeah. uh, in the you, spiritual life, you, you know, you think of Samuel mm-hmm. in the temple, yeah. and he didn't yeah. know he didn't know what what God sounded like. Yeah, uh, and so we have to help people. Yeah, understand what does God sound like in my life. Yeah, how do I know when He's speaking, uh, or how do I know when He's working or has worked, yeah. so that I can become aware of that. One of the great saints in the church, and this is a great example of a saint, somebody who passes on to us this fullness that we can follow, is St. Ignatius of Loyola. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, Catholic, Christian, or not, you should be changed by this man. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. read him, you'll find enormous wisdom for your everyday life. And he gave us the rules of discernment to be able to discern the spirits at work in our heart, our own spirit of God, of evil. And he gave the examine. That, that yeah. 10, 15 minutes where you get to look at your day. And I have found amazingly how often at the end of the night I either didn't see yeah. what yeah. happened, yeah. a miracle happened. I'm like, oh my, I can't believe this. And then it's like 10 p.m. at night. You <laughs> and, know, and you can't sleep now. And you can't and sleep. You yeah. Yeah. Did you understand we were part of a miracle? <laughs> uh, or the humbling one when you're like, oh my gosh, I thought that was me, and the Spirit speaks to you just enough, and you're like, that had nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the Lord at yeah. work. So, And I have a little journal, and I just yeah. make a one-line note, and I just, at the end of the night, and I just say, today's date, and dot, 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 here little, it is. Little just insight. a little reminder, because yeah. then there's those dark days. Yeah. And what do you do? Well, I go right back to that place, and I'm like, oh, God's alive, Jesus is risen, He loves me, He hasn't forgotten yeah. me, tomorrow He'll remember, right. you know, it, tomorrow uh, I'll wake up. And I don't know if Ignatius said it, or if it's a part of uh, kind of the spiritual exercises, but they say, uh, if you miss all things in the day, don't miss the examine at oh, the end it of is. it. You know? yep. Yep. Because if you didn't pray, it's the examine that sharpens you and brings that recollection that says, I didn't pray, I wasn't in conversation with my Lord today, those types of things. So, examination of conscience, you can Google search it. It's quick, it's easy, it's just a little thought process at the end of each of our days that we can do just to kind of reflect on where the Lord was present and where we can seek to be better. You know, as we uh, take a look at saints, Maybe just before we head to a break, why don't uh, we just take a minute and maybe you guys uh, would want to share with uh, the crowd listening. By the way, if you are out there listening, I think you can tweet us. You can actually like tweet questions now uh, or, or Facebook or something. I don't know. So, uh, But if you are interested, I'm, I've been told, questions will be taken at The Lamb Radio on Twitter. So uh, feel free to shout us out there if you got any, if you're 
wondering about anything. With that, maybe just to jump off before we go to a break on one of your favorite saints. Tell me a little bit about him, maybe a nutshell story. Yeah, I'd say Blessed Charles Foucault. Maybe this is a good little catechetical. The first degree of becoming a saint is servant of God, and then you become blessed, and then you become a saint. So he's not quite there, but he's my man. And Blessed Charles Foucault was a 19th century Frenchman. He was loved the passions of life, loved partying, loved women, loved the military, loved just conquest, explorer, just this man of great faith. His parents died young, and he was kind of left to his own wealth. He was of nobility in France. Uh, He went in search of all the things that filled your passions and ended up uh, recognizing nothing gave him what he wanted. And he started to ask himself questions, and he started... uh, uh, to stop, he stopped partying and he stopped. He lost weight and he just really began this search. Um, and he went back home to France and moved near his aunt, who was a very religious, pious woman. Uh, and um, she started like influencing him to deeper things and conflicting him about what it was to be Catholic. Um, and in uh, a desire to learn more about Catholicism, right? So he took this step of leaving the sinful life. Uh, but then wanted to know more. He went to confession one morning. Early one morning, he woke up and went to confession to ask this... Well, he went to find a priest to ask these questions, and the priest happened to be in the confessional. <laughs> so he gets there, and he says, While Father, I have some questions. Yeah. While I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And that's what the priest says. The priest says, well, your trouble isn't faith. Your trouble is you need an open heart. Kneel down and I'll hear your confession. And he says, well, I don't believe. He says, it's been 15 years since I believed. And he says, well, you know, you you did then. He says, your trouble, kneel down and I'll hear your confession. (laughs) And he did. Hmm. Right there's grace. Like, grace put him on his knees. And he had his confession heard. And from that, he said, said, my heart and my spirit um, uh, remained far from God. But in this experience, he recognized... Uh, this peace that was given to him and he said there was a gentle silence that extended over all things and he felt astonishingly light and possessed an incomprehensible joy like that instant Mm. like that everything in him changed and so i love him well second reason i love him (laughs) is that he shows progress in conversion conversion doesn't just happen overnight the overnight thing is what everybody talks about but he first was moved by god's grace to leave a life that no longer fulfilled him he was moved by god's grace to start asking questions of truth he was moved by god's grace to live in a place near his aunt who would witness to him holiness not preached but lived he was moved by god's grace to move next to this church saint augustine's in paris where this priest would end up and then the moment happened uh So that's the second reason. The number one reason that he is my closest friend is because I didn't understand the saints till I read his biography. And I only read it because I was forced to read it by my (laughs) formator in the seminary. And I read it, and as I'm reading it, I start weeping. Hmm. And I'm like, what is happening to me? I was a good thing that I was by myself. Or I would have not, (laughs) I wouldn't have allowed myself to go there. If I'd been in the chapel reading, but I was by myself and I started weeping and I'm like, what's happening to me? And a grace was given to me. I shut the book and recognized what was happening to me was more important than what I was reading. I am in the presence of Charles Foucault. He wants to be my friend. Wow. Praise God. By God's grace, praise God. Amen, brother. Father Paul, what do you got? Um, You know, I I would say, 
as of late, it is the the a blessed Jose Sanchez Del Rio. Oh, dude, uh, it is. And and partially because if you've ever watched the movie For Greater Glory, mm-hmm. uh, it's about uh, the Cristeros. It's about the Mexican uh, persecution. persecution of the Catholic Church. But it's it's really again um, about the, this. The, I mean, there's lots of stories in there, but but Jose uh, <clears throat> gets in trouble. Uh, he's kind of a you know a typical kid, uh, but this elderly priest really kind of takes him in and and shows him uh, a different way of life. Uh, and and in watching the persecutions, uh, he sees the truth and desires the truth and and wants to live it out. And, and yet uh, he's captured and, and, and tortured. Uh, and they just keep asking him to say, Jesus is dead. And he won't do it. Mm. You know, and, and again, I think of this this moment for this young boy uh, who all he has to do is say, to say a simple sentence, and he won't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how many young people today need to be encouraged to, to say, no, long live Jesus Christ the King. Uh, to see an example of someone their age who understands that when I live my life in this way and I live my life for the Lord, that it, it's worth living and dying for Amen. Uh, in it. And that, that we, we must invest as well and be examples to the young uh, of what holiness looks like, uh, of what we want for them as well. Uh, and now he will be canonized here in October, I believe October 16th. Uh, so he'll move from blessed to saint. Uh, but again, it, it's just a, a great example uh, for us of someone young, uh, in the middle of persecution in our modern age, you know, 1928. Uh, so think about yeah, that, 1928, yeah. just south of the border. Yeah, it, this it, takes place, it, you know. Uh, and and the uh, the sad thing is, some of his family was discouraging him mm. and saying, "Just say it, just say it, and you can live." Uh, and and how hard that must be, you know, when you feel like not everybody supports the way I live my life. So for me, that would be one of the the, the ones. Yeah, if you if if you're listening out there, by the way, Dave Alpers, shout out, listening via stream. You can watch this on stream yeah. if you're out there listening too. So Dave Alpers just checked oh, in. I, hey. uh, so, but the the, the Cristeros Wars. This is a history that we don't know about. It's funny uh, our selective history that we give to each other. But for the the Mexican government outlawed Catholicism in Mexico for a huge period of time. And uh, Calles' laws, it was President Calles, and he established laws abolishing the practice of uh, Catholic, the Catholic faith. And this is where a lot of these persecutions and these stories of sainthood come from. But it's, it comes from the crucible, right? You put yep. people in a crucible and it makes them or breaks them, right? Well, you know, so like Jose Sanchez Del Rio... These are not insignificant things that happen when they're tortured. I mean, right. we're talk, but we're talking things like his feet were filleted, all right? Yeah. And so, but this is stuff that's going on in the world today. People are being beheaded for their faith. Yeah. The reality is we live in a world uh, that is violent yeah. and is challenging faith in many, many places. And so, you know, it's just interesting that we see these types of scripture. Paul was right. beheaded, yeah. right? Yeah. St. Paul's beheaded. Well... There's people being beheaded for the faith today. You know, and I think the challenge, though, and and this is part of why we look at that, uh, and I remember talking to a group of of parents, and I said, you know, um, America is much more subtle about the persecution. Uh, We we don't say God is dead. We say, uh, let's practice on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's have uh, have sports, uh, and we're going to practice. Well, if my kid doesn't go to practice, then he doesn't play, and if my kid doesn't play, then he's not going to get this. And, And there's this pressure. 
And so what does the parent do? The parent takes him to practice on Sunday, but not to church. Uh, but it, it's not flailing their, their feet. It's not mm-hmm. beheading them. Mm-hmm. But it's a much more subtle persecution. And, and so to pray for the grace, for the kid to say it maybe, but for the parent as well, to say, we don't practice on Sunday. Yeah, we've got this. That reminds you me. Know, but, but, it, but it's not, but it's just as persecuted. Oh, absolutely. I think it would be a but real challenge. We, you know, but who's, who's doing it? Yeah. yeah, we've got this little girl. She must be in third grade or something. I don't, and she shows up her, she's homeschooled. And, and so she, you know, they have a different schedule or whatever. She comes to daily mass. She just, all by herself. <laughs> like she lives five houses away from the church, you know. Yep. And it took me like. She two, walks up to daily mass. Yes. It took me like two weeks to figure out this girl's here every day. I was like, <laughs> she's not with her parents. She's not with her siblings. She's not with anybody. Yep. Like she is this recognition that we can follow our children. And sometimes we create a culture in which the children are afraid to say no. Right. The children don't know yet any longer what they're made for and what makes them happy. But when we follow this simplicity, uh, she shows up at daily mass. I'm thinking, this right here is holiness. (laughs) I got to follow this. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, I tell you what, we're called to be heroes, all of us. We're called to be saints. And uh, so if you're out there listening this morning, uh, you're called to be a hero as well. We're going to take a little break here with Rutten Times 3 coming at you live from Lamb Catholic Radio. Hi, this is Kevin Colhane, President and Director of Development for the Lamb Catholic Radio Network. I invite you to encounter Christ with us September 21st through the 23rd by listening to our Fall Pledge Drive 2016. Join EWTN show host Jerry Escher. We'll be hosting our Pledge Drive this year from our network studios. Help Lamb Catholic Radio continue to change people's lives by calling in your tax-deductible pledge September 21st through the 23rd during our three-day on-air share right here on the Lamb Catholic Radio Network. Our diocese is blessed to have an abundance of resources and information available to us. To enrich your faith life, access information about marriage, family, and life topics important to you, including prayer and discernment, natural family planning, beginning and end of life care, videos about infertility and infant loss, assistance for those struggling with pornography, and much more. Find hope and help through the website of the Office of Marriage, Family, and Respect Life at sfcatholic.org backslash respect life. It is confidential and available 24 hours a day. Visit sfcatholic.org backslash respect life to help you with some of life's toughest questions. Thanks for your interest in our <laughs> checking account. Excuse me, what did you say? Uh, <laughs> fee checking. Are you saying free or fee? Yes. Not all free checking is really free. Switch to one that is. Free plus checking from First Premier Bank. No fees, no minimum balance. Plus free online and mobile banking. Bill pay. Over 24,000 surcharge-free ATMs and more. Visit firstpremier.com slash free for details. Or stop by a location to switch today. First Premier Bank. Believe in possibility. Member FDIC. Turns from darkness to light Anytime temptation comes And someone stands to fight Anytime somebody lives to serve And not be served I know, I know, I know, I know God is on the
Welcome back, everybody, to uh, this morning's show of Rutten Times 3 coming at you for the second month in a row. I don't know, fellas. Are we going to make this a monthly thing, or what do we got going on here? I'm going on sabbatical. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's taking a break. He's going on sabbatical, so he won't be around for a couple of months. What do you think, Father John? Well, I... um I didn't even want to put my homilies online, let alone be on a radio show. <laughs> well, I think there's. Uh, I, I just was known. So you can, if you're out there listening, you can you can also watch this live uh, via streaming on the Lamb Radio website. Uh, and they they claim there's 184 people uh, clicked in watching it. So, but those, those are actually probably all of our relatives. <laughs> we got a large family. We, actually, we just got a new member. We found out. Uh, yeah. the, the Osaki, uh, Minnesota Ruttons. Yeah. There's, uh, there's A&G who contacted us and said, I think I'm married into the Rutten family and we might be relatives. And sure, lo and behold, they, they're in the genealogy yeah, book. Like, and mm. so she just texted uh, or just shouted out. They're out eating breakfast, uh, watching or listening to us now. So another shout out there. But So we got a large family, but if 184 people are out there watching, I feel, figure there's a few more people checking in. So we are looking at maybe uh, doing this on a more regular basis. We, we appreciate you following us, and we just hope that in some way it encourages you or inspires you in your faith in another <laughs> way. So, or maybe or gives you hope. If, if, those th- if those three think they're getting to heaven, I got a shot. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, uh, a couple news and notes here. I know everybody's on the way, probably getting ready for school here, but just a, a reminder that uh, 
this Friday is a pretty important day. Absolutely. Uh, Friday's International Absolutely. Buy a Priest a Beer Day. Uh, what do you guys think of that? <laughs> I've, I've already got mine lined up. Paul, you got yours lined up? Yeah. You got them in queue? Yeah, I've got them in queue. Pa- Paul's going to go hang out at the, lo- the local pub for the for the day. <laughs> and, and I got a lot of friends that are going to start showing up to my house because since I don't drink, right. they'll want all of the beers that I get. Yeah, it'll go from you yeah. to them, right? Yeah. I figured I drank enough beer by the time I was 26. I'll, at 85, yeah. I'll reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> I drank enough for someone who's 85 years old already. So yeah. You know, and, and all, all joking aside, the one thing I think can be helpful about it is often for people, the priest is somebody they can't relate to. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's a beer or coffee, whether it's watching Notre Dame football, yeah. I do think that there's a, a need to connect somehow with people in their average, ordinary way of life, and then to discover that, that God's in the midst of all of that as well. So whether, you, whether the priests around the world get a beer on Friday or not, uh, it's still an opportunity to see that, you know, priests are human. They're just they like, have needs like everyone else. Yeah, we'll get to the Notre Dame football deal in the second hour. That's uh, that might require a confession out of one of you two for me. <laughs> I watched the game and left the phone. Had some medication. <laughs> had some medication. I did fairly well. I did fairly well. God bless my brother-in-law. Not for getting after me until uh, the next day, though. Leaving me alone. Um, well, on the way here, I no- two things I noticed again. Man, there's there's people out running every morning. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it's, it's raining, folks. Take a break. Depressing. Take a day off. Right. It's out there raining. And it's like a spring shower, and people are just out there tootling along, like enjoying smiles on their face. It's like, Lord have mercy, Christ uh, have mercy, Lord have mercy, Amen, brothers. There we Thank go. Thank you. You're right. right. <laughs> so anyway, on the way here, but we got a uh, uh, for public schools in Sioux Falls. We're kicking off school. I know a lot of people nationally after Labor Day kick school off. Catholic schools started a couple of weeks ago. Um, so you know, hey, it's it's that time of year again. It's pretty awesome. It's uh, kind of it, it's calendar, right? It's cyclical. It's refreshing. It gives us start of fall. The crisp is in the air, but uh, childhood memories of school. Man, we lived in the North End. It was pretty awesome. I had some great memories. What about you guys? Well, I'd say there's one memory that will never leave me, and I don't think, I don't think I told this last time. Uh, going to school. Okay, so in my family, there was a lot of people around, and and there was one shower. And you woke up every morning. We lived in a big house <laughs> in 732 West 8th Street. I say that because at the parish I preached about it. And then next week I was like, Father, I tried to find your house. I'm like, you what? <laughs> you went to look for my house? Because I told the story about it. So uh, w- big house, it was drafty. And it wasn't warm in the wintertime, even if you know the heat was on. And so... We would put our parkas on, our, our coats, our Columbia coats on, and then oh, if yeah. you were like fifth in queue <laughs> to get a shower, you'd go downstairs and you'd eat breakfast yeah. first. So I put on my park, I go downstairs, and I'm, you know, doing my morning thing, which Driving is being totally crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm eating breakfast, and then all the time it's time to go to school, so everybody gets ready, and we walk to school, because we had four, you know, four blocks to go to school, and we get to school, and I'm in fourth grade, and Mrs. Schaefer is just the best teacher, and I uh, go to uh, open up those chalk those those tribe those um chalkboards that were the closets oh, yeah. and they all pivoted on that this access. is in the old cathedral old school. cathedral yeah. school and you go in there and i go in and i'm you know only one person can fit in the thing at a time and i go to unzip my <laughs> coat and i'm like <laughs> 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 and I, I remember like I'm like, what do I do? 
do. I don't have a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in fourth grade. I want so badly to be cool. And I'm like, I don't, what do I do? What do I do? So I'm like, and I, him, and I just go to the teacher's desk to Mrs. Schaefer, and I kind of turn so nobody else can see me. And I couldn't even say it. I was so, like, panic-stricken. I just unzipped my coat a little bit until she, as, only as long as she needed to recognize. And she's like, oh, John Joe, I think you're going to need to go to the principal's office. That's a nightmare. Like, I thought that oh, what happens in dreams. But because we went to a Catholic school, well, we all wore a uniform. They had white shirts for you. They, yes, you have a uniform closet. Yep, so I just went to the uniform closet and got my white shirt. And, oh, that yeah. is the funniest thing. Uh, that, oh, I, never, I never heard that or knew that. Um, but I remember I remember the being freezing in the winter, right? And so you're, But when you get out of the shower, like being pretty young, like for the and then you get your towel and you go huddle around the kerosene heater oh, and the, oh, Oh, yeah, that's stairs. Right. Remember that? Oh, man, that thing was a godsend. No, you didn't even, the one downstairs that you plugged in, and you just, like, sit there, and then the next person would get in queue, and they get in the shower while the only other person oh, yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Poor dad, though, because we wear a stocking cap or something at night because it was cold. Oh, yeah, you wear it. Get cold in the house. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, you, you know you were poor. Yeah. No. no you no. wore a stocking cap. You lived in a drafty house. But it was a drafty house. Well, it was like oh, a farmhouse, yeah. right? I mean, it's a 100-year-old house, yeah. and so the window panes and whatever else, but uh, it was a great house. Yeah. We had some great times and some great memories. Father Paul, what do you think? You got any school, uh, old school memories to share as the kids are headed off this morning? You know, every time I think about school starting, I have all these visions of all the photographs that we took uh, with our bag, our clothes, you know, dressed, ready to go, yeah. standing here and mm-hmm. there, uh, neighbors there, uh, and just the, the, the excitement of starting it all over again. Uh, something new, a new grade, a new class, uh, new teachers. Uh, and so for me, it was just, and then walking along, and as we walked along, you picked up more people. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, again, for me, that's it, sort of an analogy to life. Is as you move through life, you have the opportunity to, to mm-hmm. pick up more people, uh, and 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 you journey with them, you know. Again, and then when it was in the winter time, and and you just had that little path that was the one foot because you were new, you know, it was you were the first one going through the snow, and you're oh, trying, yeah. you know, to get through the snow, and you didn't want to be first because you had to, you know, your shoes were all well, your boots had the. And they were bag. always the same neighbors that never shoveled their sidewalk. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, you hope you were in the back where you could at least have somebody have made the path for you in that. But uh, just yeah. the walk into school, you know. And we walked, at least I did. I walked one way uh, going to school, but when I came home, I walked a different route. Oh, yeah. Uh, and again, just that reality of life that sometimes you go one way. Yeah. And, some, yeah. and sometimes yeah, yeah. when you're coming back, you, you go a different you way. A different yeah. way. Uh, so, so, question. What kind of kid were you the night before school? Fully dressed, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Yep. I just, uh, Sean Gross, if you're out there listening or following, we speak of love you. So, Sean Gross <clears throat> went to school with you, Paul, and he just finished uh, a marathon or something, and I just kind of tweeted out to him, hey, you know, this this is the kid that used to drop his bag off at our house so that he could run to O'Gorman and you'd take the bag to school or whatever. Hey, what? He oh, yeah. All the time. And, and so, but what I remember is you reading a book 
at the bay window in the kitchen waiting for a ride, I would imagine, is what you must have been doing. Waiting for Tom. Waiting <laughs> <laughs> for our other brother. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because he'd be sleeping. He didn't... <laughs> I want to be on time. Oh. Praise God for Mrs. Ferris. Uh, she was my first first period teacher, and I would come <laughs> flying through, uh, and sh- I would just, like, wave and then go to my locker and come back around and come back. I mean, so, yeah, God bless him. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I'd be like, let's go, please. Can we go to school? <laughs> yeah, I was probably a little more like Tom then. I, mean, yeah. I, I wasn't dialed in right waiting to go, although I did enjoy school. I, I never remember not wanting to be at school socially, which would I think that'd be a challenge if your kid socially is 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 challenged. Uh, you know, bullying, these types of things. That it, I, I really sympathize with that. I never had that experience as a kid. I loved being at school for the the relationships. What I didn't love about it was the, the schoolwork. Hmm. The school itself just never really kind of clicked until I was much older, uh, really until college where I kind of stopped. And I, I, I enjoyed learning. I, I grew from it. So if you're, if you're out there this morning, you're a parent, and you got a kid sleeping, doesn't want to get out of bed or go to school <laughs> in the morning, the rut and... <laughs> He might, my mother, my mother understands. He my might just be and, teaching your teachers about the faith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you never yeah, know. Yeah. That kid one day might be your priest. <laughs> uh, well, I was the kind of kid the night before. I didn't. I wasn't set and ready to go. I was the one that had everything lined up. I had all of the 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 backpack sitting there with everything laid out perfectly ordered, and all of this the my uniform all laid out, and everything was perfect. Uh, um, was kind of that. <clears throat> Yeah. What do you call that today? OCD. OCD. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over that. <laughs> but I was at a friend's house one time having dinner with their family and had to use the restroom and went into the restroom and I saw that uh, his clothes for the next day of work were like ironed and ready and for hanging out. And I was like, oh, that's like me. <laughs> I would do something hmm. like that. Have everything perfect. You know, you always got to be prepared and ready. Yep. Uh, but I'm a recovering perfectionist. So that stuff yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah. found a balance now well the uh you know for me i don't know if there's a moment that sticks out as much as remembering the emotion or experience of a new school year and the excitement that comes with children when when school starts mm. when you get back when you can anticipate well we walk to school right so you can anticipate the playground and and the excitement of seeing your old friends that you haven't seen for a few months you know as kids we forget as adults i think about the experience of what it's like to be a child and that intense the the smell of your school like Mm. listen if you're out there listening you can go back to your old your old schools and you can smell it again right it's it's the same uh nostalgic kind of uh, experience that that comes back and so for me that really is the the teachers and just that excitement that comes the crisp fall air these types of things i really the north end was a great place to grow up as a kid when we grew up we had a bunch of great friends the pyatts and the polkalas and i do remember like Paul was the Noonans. I mean, you almost can't start saying them or you're going to forget them, right? Um, but I... <laughs> oh, oh, shot. I'm going to oh, see if goodness. you could not oh, laugh when goodness. I showed you this no. picture. Yeah, John's, John's here showing me pictures <laughs> on Facebook of Ryan Noonan in his uh, Cathedral Irish basketball outfit. So, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great time. And we, we were really <laughs> blessed. I feel privileged to have grown up not only just in the Rutten family in the North End neighborhood to be at Cathedral to be in Catholic schools and those things, but to be in Sioux Falls as an as an adult now looking back, uh, 
Sioux Falls is a great place to be. The Midwest is a great place to be in. Boy, I just love it. But uh, if you're out there listening and you're on your way to school uh, this morning, we just want to give you a little shout out. You're in our prayers this morning for all the parents dropping their kids off, uh, Catholic, public, maybe even you're staying at home with a little homeschool here. Shout out to you. And I'd have to say now living in Watertown, it's not just Sioux Falls. but, But I think what's a key is it's not Sioux Falls. It's to be in a community where I'm known and mm-hmm. I know people. Yeah. And, and there's a, the ability to, to discover who I am, uh, to have the boundaries. You know, there were distances we could walk <laughs> and go. Uh, there were places we could be. And there was that freedom that our parents could give us because we were in a community. Yeah. We knew who had a house where. We knew those things. And I think that would be the, the, the tragedy, uh, is to live somewhere where you, you're not known mm-hmm. uh, and you don't know. And, and so you get on a bus and you go somewhere new where you don't know and you know, everything is, the, but you don't know anybody around. And uh, that, that ability, I think, is, is the great gift uh, for us as well. I think uh, that's what I love about being at St. Lambert is I feel like I'm in the old North End. Sure. Where, yep. you know, the Bergwalds live there and the Gallaghers live there and the Carlsons live there. And Miles. Like you, the Miles lives there. And you just kind of know where everybody is. And I was with this friend, Deacon Ben, the other day driving around. And he just was struck by the fact I knew, oh, that's Alice Stevens's house, and that's where, um, and he's like, wow, you, you know, like, this is different, and it is, yeah. it is different, and people still walk to church, and people, this one family lived within a few blocks, they only, they bought a new house, upgraded, family was growing, they bought a house because they still wanted to live close enough their kids could walk to St. Lambert School. Oh, oh wow. that's awesome. Who does that anyway? Who does that? Yeah, and, and there's a little bit of that in me where you kind of stop and say, you know, yeah, it would be kind of cool to live. At, I always thought it would be cool to live like where you can see the cathedral. Yeah. And your kid could just yeah. walk over to school. You know, I don't. that's yeah. not where we're at now. And God <laughs> bless. That's the way the world is, right? But there is some of that, and, and there's some beauty in that, too. Uh, I, I, I got to give a shout out here. We got... Uh, just to know here, Shane, shout out to Shane. He just created his first, uh, his, his own Twitter account just to give us a shout out on the, on the wow, Twitter. So Shane, he, you get extra he, prayers. Shane, he says he's listening and he's not even related. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's one. There's one. There, there is one out there. 258 so plus one friend. Yeah, yeah, we got 184 people in Shane. Uh, <laughs> the rest of them are all, all related. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> we're kind of. What did you say about buying books? We're, oh, we're yeah, like it, we're, we're like this. It's like uh, it's the speaker, you know, when you give talks or something, and the, the speaker. It's kind of a funny little thing they like doing. The, when somebody in the audience asks a question, they said, "Well, I read your book," and he said, "Oh, you're the one that bought <laughs> yeah. it," you know. Like, or, or they say, "Oh, you know, mom, you know, mom, mom's the one that bought it." But yeah, so so Shane's the one out there. Uh, Thanks, Shane, else. for tuning in. Yeah. Well, and you're free, anybody else, to tweet us uh, at the Lamb Radio or send us Facebook messages or whatever else, and we'll see if we can get to some questions or uh, get your name on the air here. Oh, that's great. They have, like, questions. Yeah. Were you going to hide that from us? We got got some (laughs) questions. Uh, So, let's see here. Well, maybe after the hour. Yeah, yeah, maybe we we'll got, we got, we got kids. Eight o'clock hour, how about? Top of the hour, we'll, we'll start doing some questions. Uh, but but, but the I kids do are think, dropping off. We gotta, yep. I do think it's important, though, that we understand that the it's the parents' primary responsibility right. to educate their children. Yeah. And the schools, the church, the Catholic school, whatever, is there to aid them in that. And, and I think this is sometimes where we struggle is how do we bring the parents in and, and make them a part of their children's education. Yeah. How do we continue to walk them with and give mm-hmm. them the encouragement yeah. 
that it's not our responsibility to just do this for you. You don't just drop your kid off at 8 and pick him up at 3.30, and then all of a sudden you've got Magic. this, you got this break. <laughs> you know, but again, the, the challenge is how do we, how do, we do that? How, yeah, do you, yeah. how do you educate in such a way that it, it's, it's giving back to the parents the understanding that this is really their responsibility, and thus they can understand their children better yeah, and, it, uh, and, and to aid them. It's, it's a historical problem, too, in, in my research on the history of the diocese and the first parish uh, in churches being built down in, the, down in Jefferson and Yankton, down on the river. Uh, there's a, so, some old quotes from the priest that first uh, settled with the families there, and two things he complains about. One, the people aren't tithing. <laughs> they're, not, they're not tithing what they're responsible to. And two, is they're failing to catechize their children. They're not bringing their kids to catechesis <laughs> class. Uh, and so this is 100 years ago, over yeah. 100 years ago. And so th- it's the nature of, of who yeah. we are. And so I do think, though, you're right, Paul. And at Ed O'Gorman and my work there and with the school system, we've tried to continue to address how do we as a community um, <clears throat> assist parents and not actually be the crutch that says, send your kid to Catholic school because it makes them a better person or because we're going to make them a better yep. person. No, that's not the school's responsibility. The school's there to assist. The school's there to be a support system, to, to encourage. Uh, it's the parent's primary responsibility to raise their children in the faith. And you can't, you can't kind of put that off on the parish or on a school system and as I well. And I think as wife, you know, I think at the cathedral, you guys are doing the same that we are at St. Lambert, but uh, for our families that are their homeschooled or public schooled, to help instill in them the faith, uh, there's many ways of doing that. Yeah. And we've really chosen a faith for ma'am faith formation, family faith formation option because of that. Yeah. Because the parents are really eager to be the educators of their Absolutely. children. Absolutely. But we need as a parish to equip them and help yeah. them do that. And so it's been a really beautiful experience. I, I love uh, the opportunity. I just ran into one the other day. And you can see them come alive right. as yep. they recognize the gift they have to do this with their family. And we've started having other families come and talk about how they do it. Yep. Because when you have a concrete example, you're like, oh, that's oh. easy. Yeah, I, can, I can do, I can I can do, do that. that. You know? yeah, yeah, and it gives it hope. And that's the, <clears throat> the sky isn't falling. I think oftentimes, we, is the glass half, half empty or half full? You know, there's a lot of great people out there doing great things. Uh, uh, and they just want some assistance, yeah. right? They want to, yeah. they want a little, what are some tools, some books, some examples that I can use? And so I so that family program example you used, John, what that means, if you're listening, is when you drop your kids off at catechism class, you have to go, too. <laughs> yeah. So at Cathedral on Sundays, the kids go to class, and mom and dad stay with me. And so we do family. So I work with the adults and uh, the kid, while the kids are at catechism class. But it reinforces the idea that this isn't just about dropping my kid off for an hour at church so that they can go get something that I'm not already participating in doing myself or encouraging and giving to them as well so yeah and we're starting something this year uh faith in real life and so once a month on wednesday uh we're inviting the whole parish whether you have kids or not Mm. to come again we'll have mass we'll have a meal and then we're gonna have a speaker and dynamic speakers well-known speakers local speakers all these things to try to say this is something that we come together as a whole community uh, and we want to learn about our faith, and we want to learn how do we apply this in real life. Mm-hmm. And and stop putting people in categories and say, well, I can't go because I don't have kids. Or I go because I don't have kids. And, mm-hmm. and say, no, you're, you want to learn. 
in yeah, faith. That's fantastic. And, and, if you're in Watertown or up in the Watertown area, Paul, Father Paul, that, so you're at Immaculate Conception, but you have two parishes there that kind of work together on stuff. What's your yeah. other parish in Watertown? Holy Name of oh, Jesus. Holy Name of Jesus. Boy, if you're up in the Watertown area, I encourage you to get yeah. check this out and yeah. be a part of these programs. Missy yeah. and, and yeah. your crew so up there. So we have Jim Beckman coming oh, in October. Wow. We've got Deacon Ralph Poyo coming. We have a lady from Iowa that was an atheist that converted to Catholicism. Somebody saw her on the Coming Home Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, Missy contacted her. We have John Kahn's coming. Uh, we have all oh, kinds shout of shout out John, John Kahn. Yeah. Shout out Kahn. So, but again, it's this ability, you know. <laughs> and, and then the, the the challenge though is is to say we can't make people come. Yeah, we're not going to yeah. make them come. No, we're going to yes. simply invite them. Yeah, and it it, it could be sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is the beautiful. But, but 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 we have to give them the freedom. Yeah. you know, and I think that's that's the key is the freedom. You know, they they have to have the freedom to be able to say no. Yep. And, and St. Paul talked about that this weekend, this last weekend in, in, in his reading to Philemon. Uh, I have to freely, you have to freely receive Onesimus. Uh, it has to be free. It can't be yeah. forced. Yeah. This cannot be forced. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I think has been the, th- the thrill and the pain and like when... I started this journey of education of what is true and good and beautiful. There was a painful reality to it. And part of it is the recognition that every heart is free. Every person is free. And it's easy for me to set up a system where everything makes sense to me, but nobody really responds to it. And then I just check it off the list and I say, oh, well, they're not doing this or they're not doing that. And uh, when I first started seminary, seminaries were my whole life towards education changed because I realized when I was awakened, I all of a sudden wanted to be here. I was like, wait a minute. I used to not <laughs> like this, or I used to do it for these reasons. Something's happened. And then to say, well, what does this mean for education? How do we open up a child? How do we open up a person to desire it as opposed to trying to just force them through a funnel? Right. And when I got there, we were studying about education, and all this, I came to this section on methods of education and the responsibilities of the parents, the church's documents and how this happened. And it talked about the different methods. And at the time, we, as our family, had siblings that were educating their kids in Catholic schools, Mm -hmm. in private schools, Mm -hmm. in home schools, and in public schools. And it was a beautiful moment for me because I couldn't just easily check off and say, oh, if you just homeschooled your kids, then the world would be perfect. Right. Or if you just did Catholic school, then everything would be great. Or if you just lived in a smaller town with better school system, then no, like I had to stand before this reality that it's something more than that. Right. Those are dynamics that are important. And when I found that out, I thought, ah, there really is a way forward if I'm willing to look at all the things. And the, the St. Augustine gave me the best tool. And he says, the only people who think that the world was more glorious in the past are the people that weren't living in it. Oh, nice. We're in the same place yeah. as they were a thousand yep. years ago. It was so Heart much better. desires truth. When it meets it, it wants it for another. How do we help the other discover the truth? You know, that's funny. So historically speaking, we kind of look back at kings and queens of either even old Europe, uh, but even further back, and we think, oh, didn't they live so luxurious? And, you know, they're the kings and queens. And you know what? 
there's not one of us <laughs> that does it <laughs> way better, better than the kings or queens or you know and so like we're, yeah, we, 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 we live had in a drafty a, house yeah we yeah we had a drafty house so what was us right yeah. uh, and, and one so bathroom funny how you interpret that nostalgically yeah. and yeah one bathroom yeah it's in the house like we don't even have to do the outhouse deal anymore like you know it's just a few years ago so uh well that's that's great you know as there's people dropping their kids off they might be just pulling away they might be sitting in line waiting to drop their kids off at schools but you know they're at public schools they're going to be at catholic schools they're going to be at uh, you know maybe they are at home school you know that they're and at the cathedral parish we do have that diversity and that mix where we don't have a parish uh school anymore and so we actually have parishioners that are at a lot of the different schools in sioux falls and public private and then we do have a good large homeschool group and what it really reminds me of is that uh, there are different options and there are different ways and they can all be good but it reminds me of the importance of the role of the parent because it doesn't matter where they're going or what they do although I encourage Catholic schools I love them I was taught at them I believe in them um, but what's primary is that you yourself are living the faith and you're encouraging your, your children at home to live the faith. And then from there, the options that you make. But maybe share with me a little bit as a pastor, you know, the challenge that maybe some of your, your parishioners have in choosing Catholic schools or in choosing public schools or homeschool, uh, just from your, your, your work, uh, that, that can be a challenge, I would assume. I, I think it is a challenge. One thing, I guess, in two years, I've only been doing this two years. Well, I guess in Yankton there was Catholic school too, four years. Uh, the one thing I know for sure is I like to think I understand why people choose what they do. I don't. Mm-hmm. I have some generalities. Number one, uh, most often if you didn't go to a Catholic school, you the, you don't understand the experience of belonging. I think you talked about, Paul, like to, to you grew up in the North End and you belonged. We're all looking for a place in which we belong. Community. So, yeah, and if you've been in it, you understand that dynamic and how that is a means to the church. Christ is present in the community in which you discover this this life. And so you, that's one reason. Another reason is then if... if uh, you know, a parish supports the schools, but we can't afford to support it all. And yep. so, because it also costs additional fun- funding, you know, tuition, the parish pays a portion. So, if you belong to our parish, then we help. But uh, not everybody's in a circumstance in which it's financially feasible or where they live, it's not feasible uh, location wise. Or maybe you live in a town and there isn't a Catholic school. Yeah. Um, so, there's a lot of reasons. And I find at St. Lambert, I find that um, there's a beautiful mix. We got. I don't know if it's perfect, but I'd say maybe like a third homeschool, a third public school, a third Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And then when we propose discipleship groups or when we do other things, we do what we can to mix that because each can enrich the other. And, and it's there, there is uh, a way to make this all work. But what is most important is that every person discern what is best for my family. How do I get my family to heaven? And from that question, God works in people's lives and hearts, and some circumstances work and some don't. And I think that's the, that is the challenge to, to give back to the parents the tools uh, and then the responsibility to discern for their family. What, as for me and my family, what will we do? Uh, and to be supported in that. And whatever it might be, and they might change their mind uh, as they're going along, uh, one way or the other. But, but it has to be made by the parents uh, in, in that um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. The... Uh 
So just a, a couple of shout-outs here as we mix things up. But, you know, we got a, a Sharon here just sent a tweet out saying, uh, you know, thanks for all you, for you guys giving your time uh, for doing this. And I just want you guys to know as pastors that I know the, that time is, is uh, a challenge. There's one of you trying to run a business, basically. One of you running a parish. One of you run, And just from working as director of formation at the cathedral with Father Morgan and I got an associate, Father, Father Lacey, I just want to say, you know, everybody out there listening, uh, on behalf of them, we appreciate your work. We appreciate your time. Father Paul, for coming down from Watertown to do this, like that's that's not without its challenges. I, I know that. <laughs> Father John, for getting up early and, and getting over here. There's other things you could be doing. So on behalf of everybody listening, just a shout out to you two for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. It's a blessing to be here. I think this is a great example of exactly what we're talking about, discernment. Right. All of my life is a discernment. What is God asking of me? And we've been discerning this for some time, and it just continues to be apparent this is where God wants me. And so I show up. Yeah. And I might call in the next time. What if we raise some money? How about if you all call in? If you're listening and you want Father Paul live, how about you send us 10 bucks? And then we'll fly it out Can we raise money on your show? <laughs> no, no, but again, I think one of the things to look at is, is there is this dynamic of does it do the three of us need to be in the same room at the same time? Yeah. Uh, or can it be done with me in another room in another location uh, calling in? We're going to find out. We'll, we'll find out one way, shape, or form. Maybe, um, we'll, maybe we'll drag another rotten in here or something. Beautiful, there's, there's a few others. There's, so. yeah. Beautiful little uh, uh, note, Facebook message from uh, Therese Gorai. She, she, um, I say, thanks for following. She said, and I said, another non-family member. She quotes Therese of Lisieux, St. Therese, and she says, I am your sister and friend. Oh, amen. Everyone listening is a family member. We have like 285 family members listening. Absolutely. 283 are blood relatives. <laughs> Got you, There's probably a few out there that aren't, that actually are, and we'll figure it out eventually yeah. down the road. So, uh, Well, great. Uh, parents out there, as you're uh, taking your kids to school, yeah. dropping them God off. Bless God bless you. Let's say a prayer. Let's say a prayer with everybody that just dropped your kids off at school. In the name of the oh, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have created all that we see and do not see. You have created in a special and unique way humanity. Instilled with the gifts of your image and likeness, a desire to seek what is true and seek what is good and seek what is beautiful. We thank you for the ways in which we have grown in knowledge of you and in love of you and of all things that you have created Help us be stewards of this creation. Help us live in a way in which uh, your glory is manifest through us. We entrust these students, these young people that we have just dropped off at schools all over our cities and all over this state and all over this country and world. Instill in them a desire to seek you as well. Help them find what is true and good and beautiful that opens them to the glories and wonders of this world and the glories and wonders of you. May they and we together one day be with you in eternal life. May this day be filled with your joy, and in all things might we turn and thank you. Let's ask for the Blessed Mother's intercession uh, as we pray. Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Catherine of Siena, pray, pray for us. St. Mother Ta- Teresa of Calcutta, pray, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. All right. All right. God in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to be around for, for till the end of the hour, so don't go anywhere. We're just going to take a quick break, a uh, couple of minutes here. So get your cup of coffee filled back up in the office. Get back over here. Uh, we'll come back at you live from Lamb Catholic Radio. It's Rutten Times 3. Here we are again, everybody. Rutten Times 3 here at Lamb Catholic Radio. We appreciate you joining us here for the second hour of our uh, monthly, well, what might become a monthly show. We'll see what happens with this whole thing. But uh, If we get a better title for the show, I'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) Please, Rutten Times 3 is like, I'm a marketing major. This is disastrous. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're we're seeing if it's a Holy Spirit thing or if it's us, so we'll see if this yeah, sticks. that's a great point. Um, yeah. But we want to give a shout out to uh, Lamb Catholic Radio for inviting us to be here today to do this show. You know, it's really, it's a lot of fun. We, I appreciate being able to do it, but it's not possible without the Lamb Radio here in Sioux Falls in the Catholic Diocese. So they are having a sharing appeal, and I just thought, you know, we were going to do our own fundraising here before the break. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe we ought to be giving a promo to Lamb Radio for fundraising. Uh, but their, their annual appeal... Uh, is September 21st to the 23rd, but you don't have to wait till then. You know what? If you enjoy the show this morning and you kind of enjoy the Ruttons being able to be a part of this, on behalf of us, if you'd be interested, we'd love to have you give a little donation to Lamb Catholic Radio. You can call up the office, look them up online, and give them a shout-out. But the 21st to the 23rd, they'll be doing their fall appeal, and it is a nonprofit. It only runs through your donations, so we appreciate that consideration. Got a few shout-outs here. Everybody wants to throw something in. Uh, what do you got, Father? So Paul? I got uh, two different shout-outs. Uh, Joe and Christine Nelson of Howard. Uh, they called in, actually, and I actually uh, witnessed their marriage uh, uh-huh. back when uh, I was in Brookings. Um, and then I do have to shout-out again to Shane Duranlo. Uh, Shane and his brother JD will forever be in my memory. Uh, one Father's Day, I was getting ready to do the blessing for the fathers, and so I invited all fathers to stand, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Shane and JD begin to stand. And neither of them are married. Neither, neither of them should be having children at this moment. And I, like, looked over at them, and they looked at me, and they started laughing, and they sat back down. Uh, so every Father's Day, I think of Shane and, and JD Duranlo, uh, and their, their great joke that they played on me uh, on Father's Day. So I shout out that, to Shane. That's a good one. Father John? <laughs> I forgot what the question is. Shout-outs. Shout outs. Oh, shout-outs, yeah. Uh, well, Laura Woods. Yep. Yep, down in Canton. And Shelly Merrick, I think definitely Shelly gets a shout-out every show because without Shelly Merrick, I wouldn't be in the digital media world. I was totally afraid of it, and she really gave me the encouragement. So shout-out to the Merricks and uh, Westbrook. And then uh, Brian Cooper. Brian's showing up all over the place. Brian's the master behind anything I yeah, do he, online or digitally. So I think he sent in a question, but... That might take a half hour. So we'll <laughs> yeah. we, we might need a whole show. We'll come back in October to answer Brian's question. Uh, but Lucas Lorenzen and Jana Bender, there's a whole number of Do people. Do we need Megan to give Megan Baskard from the North End. Oh, Megan nice. Krieger. Oh, yeah, yeah, Megan yeah. Gillespie. 
Hey, I'll so. be seeing her this weekend. I'll give yeah. a shout out to the 20th uh, year reunion for uh, O'Gorman's 1996 graduating class that oh, you wow. and I are a part of. This Friday, we're going to have a, a great gathering, and then uh, on Saturday with the Coda Bowl and Mass and all that fun stuff, and then I think a few people are uh, going to show back up at Father's Parish uh, uh, Sunday morning. So we, shout out to the OG 96 class, 20 year yeah. reunion coming up this weekend. Hey, let's do a quick shout out to the whole family. Rick, Rick Chris, Louis, Louis, Shelley, Tom, Paul, John, Joe, Katie. Katie. All right, just because we don't want to forget <laughs> one, right? You know, don't want to leave them off. Everybody <laughs> remembers to see that. Yeah. John, Joe, Katie. Katie. Yeah, well, <laughs> on Facebook, I per- specifically put <laughs> no. We won't right. go there. All right, so, so I- one last shout out. What? One last shout out, and this will lead us into into so, uh, Father Hagerty. The priest does uh, have a lot going on, but Father Hagerty right now is covering mass for me. Last oh, year, you remember, God. I did oh, down at eight yeah, o'clock because yeah, 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 yeah. I got mass at Saint Lambert at eight thirty. And Father Hagerty, thank you for uh, covering for us today, God so that I can you. be here. Uh, and uh, and the truth the matter is. Well, we do have a lot there. We live in the age of the laity. And without Linda Noose and Ellen Bauman yep. and Lori and Dan and Cheryl parish, and Rosemary working in the office, I'd be toast. These people are the ones that just, yeah. like, make the world turn. Dial it I, sh- I show up and, like, do the pot a little bit. And, you know, <laughs> cause, cause yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody sees me doing the pot the and they, they think fixed. I cooked it, you know. <laughs> well, without the meat and the vegetables and the broth and all that, you don't have anything. So... Well, uh, we just, uh, you know, as we're doing this, <laughs> doing this, the reality of family life constantly hits me. And I, so I, I try as director of formation at the cathedral, I write an article just about every week. And last week I wrote one uh, for single mothers oh. uh, because, you know, we got a, we got a seven month, eight month old at home. We got a four year old and, you know, the baby when you got a baby, you know, you don't sleep a lot. And particularly, I think mothers take the brunt of it. And so sleep deprivation, I think, makes us all the worst version of ourselves, <laughs> usually. I don't know about you, but that's where, where I am. And so, but it, anyway, so this morning, you know, my wife's at home with a sick kid, you know, and it's like, what if that's you and it's the first day of school and your kid's sick and you have work and you don't have any sick time left? Yeah. You just had a baby, so your sick time's used up. Uh, it, the, the ch- particular challenges of parenting today. I just, uh, I just a shout out to all the parents out there, particularly single parents, yeah, uh, that that struggle day in and day out to be the hero for their children and be, to be the hero for for those that are around them. And you're an inspiration. Uh, you can check out my article if you'd like at, at at the Cathedral Bulletin. And I know that there's other shout outs that we want to give. But to troubled marriages, somebody else had mentioned that you know, there's strain in marriages today and these types of things. And let's just all remember that. As your kid shows up at school, kids show up at school. As a teacher, I always try to remind myself that I have no idea what that kid went through mm. to arrive here this morning. Right. I don't know what his home life is like. Right. I don't know if he ate. I don't know if he's in a in, in a loving environment. And that's kind of the way that I, I'd encourage everybody to look at your day to day. You don't know what the challenges are that the person in front of you went through. See Christ in them and love them where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd we'll, like I'd like to have known what Mrs. Schaefer thought when. <laughs> Where are his parents? <laughs> That's I know. She had Although she had a seven before us, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. I'm surprised it took this long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, which is why last show, I think I said it. People ask me all the time, how'd your parents do it? Well, 
I'm certain they knew they were broken and Jesus was a real answer for their life because if that's not what our proposal is, people have a false idea of what we're living. We didn't just all of a sudden show up on this radio show like all spit-shined and perfect. <laughs> I got a lot of problems in my own life. Like, God still has a lot of grace he's got to give me. And these funny stories about growing up are really, I think, because we know Christ. Right. Because we can see in the, the humanity of our past grace at work. But if I don't have grace at work in my life, to look back at the pain of showing up at school and not having a right. shirt on could be detrimental to me. Yeah. Even but to this day. Even to this day, yeah. it could be like a wound. A story we don't talk about. We yeah. just keep it, you know, I don't want but to think about it. Christ really has made a difference in my life. So our, the ruttons are not perfect. Okay. And it's not our place to air laundry. Uh, but we can air our own laundry that I went to school, and today it doesn't wound me, you know. And as a twin, I always think of this story of the father took two twins out in the lake, and he wanted to teach them to swim. And so he throws both of them overboard, two twins. And one of them, for the rest of his life, has deep-seated anger for his father oh. for having thrown him overboard, and he almost <laughs> drowned him. And the other one is so grateful for his father who finally put him in a position in which he had to learn to swim. Mm. Oh, sure. So much of parenting and raising kids, all parents are imperfect. So much of parenting and being a child and growing up is recognizing that my parents aren't perfect. They're doing the best they can with what God has given them. And I them am called to do the best I can with what God gives me. Amen. The, uh, there's... Uh, uh, we could do this for hours, right? Sure. Obviously, we've got a. So we a get on to something important. A, 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 limit, a limited time, limited time coming up. We got about a half hour left. We'll stay with you to the top of the hour until nine o'clock. Here, this is Rutten Times Three. We got Father Paul, Father John, Joe uh, here coming at you live, and you know, there's always something to talk about. But at some point, we have to discuss Sunday night's football game. Oh, oh please! You know what I was grateful for? It was so bad. All the priests went to bed. <laughs> so they all went to bed and I just sat there by myself watching this and I'm like and then we got to the end and I thought they don't deserve to win no they didn't I don't want to them win. to win we are talking about the Notre Dame I fight do not Irish want them to win just tuning in yeah I, I was like no can't do it I was texting between Friedman and Benson though and Friedman oh, I they, couldn't oh do it. yeah it if, was, if Chris Kendall if my brother-in-law who's a Texas fan would have would have text me in the moment it wouldn't have been good yeah. he, he just out of the kindness of his heart waited till the next day <laughs> and kind of got after me just he didn't even get after me he just said you know good game it was a fun game if you didn't sure. have a stake in it boy what an exciting game yeah. but college football you know there's something about college football particularly that uh boy people latch onto it like they don't other other particular mm. sporting events or even NFL football, soccer, any of that. College football is something unique that brings community together. High school football does this too, I think, as well. It's not just about the football players, but it's about the band. Like, yeah. I went out to South Bend last year. I was blessed to be able to go out there for a game again. And uh, Aaron again, Turner... You heard again, that. Well, again. I, again. Yeah. Again. I'm going to get there someday. <laughs> 13 years ago, I was there. Uh, but Aaron Tarnoski, uh, one of my old students at O'Gorman, uh, had a had, went to school out at South Bend, and he was in the band. He's a he was a a, a horn guy, and like those, that's a, a huge huge honor sure. to be that person and to be able to go out there and see a football game, but be able to get a picture with Aaron and see him do his thing in the rotunda and the tradition and pageantry. Part of what it is, I think, is it's kind of like Catholicism. Yeah, 
there's a community there's a there's a there's an orchestration there's a there's an expected behavior for for the day and the events and the pep rally and there's this huge community that you're a part it's like the lives of the saints you know there's there's all these fans that you are in community with and you consider yeah. yourself a part of the team even though you're not yeah. on the team and, and you so. know newt rockney and you know all of the past yeah. people yeah. who made what you're living now possible yeah. and it's beyond what you can articulate. and of all of the college football teams notre dame's a, kind of particularly interesting because I think they bring in the Catholicism with the football to a degree where it's 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 at a Catholic yeah. institution. Well, no, no, no. I think this would be what it is. They weren't a part of any other organization. They were independent. So they weren't the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, they weren't the Pac. They weren't any of those. They were Notre Dame. And they stood on their own. Mm. And they didn't they didn't have to be a part of the conference. To be a football team. This is awesome. Uh, we, should, we should have a yeah. half hour but, but segment here's, each but, month. But here's the difference. <laughs> I can think about Newt Rockney. I can think about you know uh, other people, but but Newt Rockney can't help me. No. Yeah. Be a better no. football player. But Saint Teresa of Calcutta, she can. No. Yep. Because she's connected to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is connected to me. Yeah. And that ability to see that for us, you know, we can be a part of a, a football game. We can be excited about football or whatever it might be. But ultimately, my life isn't changed. In one sense, like I, I woke up the next day, you know, yeah. whatever. Well, but, but in my faith, in my Catholicism, it's the whole goal is that my life would be continuously changed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, totally. And, and if we take it to the extreme, like if it just was sports, it wouldn't be the same thing. Right? right. So even at Notre Dame, even at these places, like it needs to be about something more in which my yeah. life is impacted sure. than just sports, or we're just Rome. Right. Yeah. Back it, to the yep. gladiator days and doing these things. But it's not an accident that the universities come out of the Catholic Church, that all of these places we're watching football originated mm-hmm. because the church was interested in educating humanity Absolutely. and the seminaries were educating people. And out of this now now we have this whole thing, and you can forget that it comes from a place in which we wanted the whole life. Yeah, and, and even our Protestant schools like Harvard and such, you know, they come out of a Protestant tradition Seminaries. of education and, and such. So anyway, well, the uh, the Irish got hooked by the horns, unfortunately. It was a rough weekend. It's a tough way to start the year. But um, like all things, we'll move on. But I, I will say that if I'm the worst version of myself when I don't have sleep, or after a Notre Dame loss, I just pray God that um, that I don't die the day after Notre Dame loses. I have Give me enough. one day to get to confession, to <laughs> clean this thing up, and then get up there. I've always wondered a little bit why my passion isn't the same as your guys's, and I'm just discovering. I think maybe it's because I used to watch you run around the house screaming <laughs> and yelling after every touchdown. I think you know what? I already have enough addictions in my life. I don't need one more. Oh, uh, that's funny. So a, a, a little story on Notre Dame football and Joe Rutten. The in 2012, my wonderful wife, uh, I realized was watching games with me, and this is fantastic. We're sharing this in common. She's getting into the Irish, probably even you know wearing wear a shirt and support the team. You know, it's going to be a great and like this was fantastic, and it was a great year up until the national championship. I think I watched it with you, Father Paula, yeah. and uh, shout out right, to the right, players right, and yeah, right down. Oh yeah, right out the Irish pub. Yeah, McNally. Shout, shout out, out to, to McNally. McNally. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, and uh, yeah. the crew over there. So we're watching it. They lose. It's bad. Like, all right. Then the next year, um, we played Oklahoma, and we got blown out, and it was really bad. And like at halftime, my wife's packing up the baby, and she's walking out. And I said, well, "Where are you going?" She's like, 
I'm leaving. <laughs> well, I, I forgot. <laughs> they didn't lose in 2012. That's why my wife watched football with me. I was, oh. I be, I was bearable, right? <laughs> the minute they lose, I'm the most unbearable, suffering yeah. person in the world. Uh, it's my weakness. I, I work at it, but it's also why I oftentimes prefer to watch the game by myself. Yeah. And, maybe, and maybe there's a sense of this with why we do love college football more than, say, professional or something else. And and I remember going to a baseball game for some little kids, and it was so in light, like I was like, I was changed in front of this. And what I think college football still has that dynamic of community, but it also mm-hmm. still has that dynamic of real excellence. It's not, you yeah. know, in professional sports, it's almost like become something not human. And yeah. it's like marketed, it's disconnected from so much. Even how has... Uh, uh, um, things change and you don't really have your same, you know, I'm not in love with the Vikings the same way anymore <laughs> as because with drafts and everything, fantasy football, you have all of this stuff, but with college, you still have a full life yeah. and there's still a possibility like this is an excellent athlete. Yeah. At, col- at pro, it's like a different thing today. And so I think maybe there's a life still in college football that people like to be a part of and it's, um, they can see a real, Well, and I think the other thing though is, is there's no connection to the actual organization of the Vikings or the Packers, per yeah. se. Maybe the Packers would be the only one because it's still yeah. st- it's stakeholders. Yeah. It's still a small town. They still own it. Community. Uh, the community owns this team. It, yeah. it's, it's a part of them. Whereas, you know, whether we went to Notre Dame or not, somebody went there. Yeah. Somebody was a part of it. Somebody was in this. And there was a, a connection to the whole institution. But there's no connection to the institution of the Vikings for the average person. But they try creating it as much right. as yes. Viking Nation, yes. you know, all those types of right. things. But it doesn't it doesn't come out of that deep, rich tradition yes. of an education system, of a community of formation. But like you said, football is about seeking you they're they're seeking excellence. Well, that's what we want young men and young women to do. We want them to be formed and become people of excellence in all that they do, sure. to lead with virtue in all that they do, whether it's on the football field, in the classroom, or whether it's just in their day to day interactions of who they are as a person and how they treat people. So I think the challenge for us, though, is how do we understand that when it comes to our faith? How do we help people belong then? I mean, how many people come to our church and they feel like they don't belong? Mm -hmm. Because they're not part of the inner circle, they don't know the the traditions, and nobody's sharing it with them. Uh, But that ability to welcome them in and and say, you know what, come in here, this is what we do before Mass starts, or this is what Mm -hmm. we do after Mass starts. And you welcome into the culture and the community, and they can begin to feel a part of it. But too often, it becomes this exclusive group of people yeah. And this is what we do. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the church turns into something like the professional sports right. organization trying to market yep. to people and trying to produce. Uh, and you're, pro- you're right. imposing on people as yep. opposed to proposing Propose, life. Right. And I, th- I think, you know, t- for me, I've always, as you wrestle with it, it's 50-50. 50% is on the people and their disposition before what they're receiving. And 50% of it is on the church universal or the community to be open to that people. Yeah. Uh, and when those things align, then you discover where you belong. Because God has a place for each person yeah. to belong. And it can be real simple. And I remember this family was like searching for their place in life. And they had moved from Nebraska to South Dakota and they were young and they had kids and they were just looking for like, what makes us, mm. where are we supposed to be? Well, they've been uh, around now at St. Lambert for a couple years and they came into the beginning of the school year a couple weeks ago where where everyone comes in and you go through these stations and you're getting ready for school coming up the night before. Or the yeah. And he comes up to me and he says, Father, I belong. We're known. 
My family is known here. And I know people here. And he was so transformed. It was like the first time he'd ever experienced something like this. And I said, well, what happened? He said, when we came in, the lady who was pulling out the files pulled our file out before I said, I said our family name. Yep. She knows my family, Father. Yep. This And it changed everything. So the gift, it doesn't have to be some grand welcoming. It has to be a real authentic recognition of the face before me. Yep. Do I know who God has put in my path? I don't have to go out and memorize everybody's names. I have to recognize the person in front of me. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's the greatest challenge of teaching is remembering kids' names because there is an identity there, though. There is a recognition that, that Mr. Rutten knows me, that Mr. Rutten cares about me, enough to know my name. And that's that's a real responsibility to teachers out there that, in uh, priests, you know, as I, I can only imagine as a priest how big of a challenge it is where you don't have them in front of you every day. You see them once on Sunday. Maybe you don't get eye contact with them all. Uh, at the cathedral, I started taking pictures of the people that come to register and attaching it to the registration sheet so that the priest can put a face with the name, you know, and they see the person on Sunday, but they have no idea what their name is, and that way it helps them identify. Uh, it's really You know, a but I think it's, it's not just the priest's challenge. You know, and I think we've talked about this before. It's everyone's challenge. I mean, how many parishioners don't don't want to learn anyone else's name either and don't know <laughs> other people's names? You know, and so it's this thing. And I think about, again, at the resurrection, you know, it wasn't until Jesus called Mary by name mm. that she recognized he was not a gardener. It was Jesus Christ. Mm. And it was in that name and, and that understanding. You know, I think also to be patient, you know, to, to be patient, but am I, am I working at it? Yeah. And I think for me, my challenge is I get to a threshold where I'm comfortable, that I know enough names, that I kind of I just you just stop. Yeah. And it's like I can't stop. I have to keep yeah. working at it uh, because it is important. So for all of the people listening from St. Lambert, we did not talk about this beforehand because at my parish, we're doing the name game. And all year long, every month, I ask the parishioners to learn one name of somebody oh, yeah, that's yeah. crossed their yeah, path. It's a great practical and, thing. Yeah, Absolutely. and it's beautiful to see, like, yeah. this is your desire, too. It's, like, fundamental it, to us as Christians. It's not like a You uh, know, some of our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters really got this down. They, have, they, they, they've, they create community, and so it's easy to... They, they're very good at creating community in which to draw people in mm -hmm. and feed people, right? And so we know the challenges. We got probably lots of people out there listening, maybe even family that have left the church and, you know, they're at another church and that's where they're being fed and so on. But, you know, part of what can happen in, in at least my experience, for instance, at the cathedral. I went to the cathedral and four years ago. I transitioned, started going there Sunday Mass, and then I saw a young lady behind me one day, and I just introduced myself because now I'm hired by the parish, right? So now I have to say hello to her. <laughs> yeah. Whereas before, I wouldn't say hello to her because I'm just going to church. Why would I say hi to her, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so this is the problem, That's right? it. This is the problem. That's so it. now I'm hired, so I'm supposed to say hello to her. So <laughs> I turn around, I introduce myself. My name's Joe Rotten. I'm the new director of Faith Formation. Uh, you know, what's your name? And so... I remember asking her, um, how long have you been going to church? I, has anybody ever introduced themselves to you before, I said? Because hmm. I realized at the cathedral that we struggle with community because there's six exits. So everybody scatters like, you know, mice. And, and then we don't have a community hall that's downstairs. Anyway, so we struggle with community. Um, and I asked her, I said, has anybody ever said hello to you? And she said, well, no. I said, well, how long have you been coming to church here? And she said, uh, five years. Oh, my. Oh. 
I thought, this young woman's been coming to church here for five years and nobody's ever said hello to her. This is a problem. And so I started doing kind of what you're doing with the name game, encouraging people, say hello to each other. Like, get over the awkwardness of it. It's, it it yeah. is feel weird. It can be awkward. But just introduce yourself to each other after Mass and, and, and try and build community. An example of that was our young adults. You know, the millennials are notorious for not being able to, you can't get your thumb on them. You can't get them in one place. People are trying, what's the honey that attracts them? And so anyway, at the cathedral, we have a lot of people that like to come there and get married, and then they disappear. Because if you become a member, it's cheaper. <laughs> and so they, get the, they become a member, they get married, and then they disappear, right? This happened, it, well, long story short, I thought, well, the reason they're leaving isn't because, the reason they're leaving is because when they came, they didn't enter into a community. Yeah. yeah. And so we need to create a community where the young adults, the, the 20-year-olds and 30, you know, some 30-year-olds, they can come and feel like they're a part of the parish other than simply sitting in the pew on Sunday where they receive the sacrament. So we just started having a monthly young adult gathering and like 30 people showed up. Mm. And then the next month, 30 people showed up and it'd be like 20 of the same, 10 new. And month after month, they keep they kept coming. And we're like, this is the coolest thing ever. We go actually, it is kind of cool. We go in the crypt down below the cathedral altar, and we have our own little room back there. And we have we had a barbecue in August, so we got this young adult gathering, and it's like magnificent. I mean, yeah. like there's this this one Ashley Gentrup out there. She's an optometrist. Like she just, I would have never known her. Here's yeah. this this young professional woman, dynamic, awesome, faith filled, loves her faith. They're now out of this group. They're starting a Catholic young professionals group in Sioux Falls. Well, how did that start? That started because we saw that we needed community. And it wasn't my job to make the community, but to encourage them to come together. So we provided the space at the cathedral for them to come together into relationship with each other. Now when the young adults show up at the parish to register, all I have to do is say, hey, you want to show up on the first Thursday of the month at the Cathedral Young Adult Gathering because it's awesome. And so these types of things, that's part college football, colleges, all of this coming full circle we got to learn to create community, to be in community with each other, because that's really where people are fed. And I would say that's the role of the educator. The educator, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a DRE, whether it's mm. a parent, is to recognize something of what I have met that has made me. What have I r- found? And then to create a circumstance in which others can find that as well. Mm. So if I'm the pastor of the cathedral, I have to take seriously, I can't make these people better Christians. But I can see that there's six doors to this cathedral, and I had better create an environment (laughs) in which they can encounter what I've encountered. Not by the same means, because maybe I was at St. Lambert when I encountered Christ. Or I was, frankly, at Christ the King. And after the 7 p.m. Sunday night Mass, there was always people in community out there. I stayed in the Catholic Church because Michael Donnelly was at that table drinking coffee and eating donuts. And you now, you can say we shouldn't have coffee and donuts, but frankly, it was why I kept yep. like at it. And I was like, who are these people? And I longed to know them. Yeah, yeah and I think the other thing about that group was that it, there, the invitation was always being extended to the post-mass, go out to Chili's or go out to yeah. Applebee's as well. And they were constantly inviting other people as well. Into you know, a life. Into it. You know, and so it didn't yeah. become an exclusive group. But they just, this is where yeah. we go after this, and this is what we do, and, and you're welcome to you. join us, yep. and then and leave it up to the person. And, if and the person they invite you to come, relationship. Is- uh, and again, for us as, as, as church, how do we continue to invite people into that, yep. uh, and to realize that they have something to bring to our community as well? Well, and, and to see, I think part of 
the reawakening. We all come into the faith. We all get to know Jesus, and then kind of things stagnate a bit, and or we get on a groove, and it just kind of loses the freshness. The freshness returns from the new arrival. Mm-hmm. Right? When I recognize the new person and I see what God's doing in them, I'm reawakened. Yep. And so my favorite thing to do is to talk to the new person. Yep. I want to know why you're here. Right. The most amazing things happen to me because I look for the new person and I introduce myself. I don't impose myself. Yep. They're free to walk away. Yep. But almost 70% of the time, they say, oh, Father, here I am. Uh, yep. And we have a woman uh, that was homeless and she was driving by St. Lambert's, and she just felt pulled into the church. And she started going to the church and praying, and she started going, hanging out, and she started getting her life in order. And she started RCA class. She wasn't even Catholic. That's awesome. She came into the church a few years ago, and she's like an important part of our community. Mm-hmm. And she has a place to stay, and she's stable, and she's got employment. And she's just like, you know, life isn't easy. But do we see those people in our midst? Yep. Christ is in the new arrival. That's how I stay alive with the spirit of Christ. That's awesome. Right, and maybe that is part of it because college, they're always bringing freshmen in. Yep. Yeah. You know, so there's always a new crop coming in and they've got a new identity. And, they, and then and you got the seniors. To, and you have to pass on the traditions. And yep. what traditions yep. do we pass on? And some get accepted, some don't. And imagine if you went to a college and no seniors were there to help you move your stuff in. Or right. no seniors were there at the football games to cheer and to have the school spirit. Absolutely. We, yep. we need to make sure our churches still have the seniors interested in the yeah. younger ones. And you know, there's no there's no given to the faith being passed on. As I look at the Rutten family genealogy and the history, we date back to 1555. We can trace our lineage, 13 generations. And there's no guarantee that the faith passes on to the next generation, either through life. There's at about, at about 10, there's one br- Rutten brother that survives and lives <laughs> mm. and then carries the genealogy on. Otherwise, there, it would have been done. It would have been over. We wouldn't be here. Mm. That's the same with faith. Faith isn't guaranteed to the next generation just because your parents are Catholic. And those out there listening, maybe you're, you're lukewarm or you're not sure about your Catholic faith or maybe you've already left the faith and you're at a... Pro- you know, I, I encourage you and I invite you to consider the Catholic faith, to consider the home, your spiritual home, because... There is an opportunity here, I think, and what I hear in your two stories is a real authenticity of conversation, and what you said is propose. You know, yeah. I invite you out there, if you're listening, if, you, if you're interested or you're wondering, call up one of these priests. Call up Father John, call up Father Paul, or call up somebody else that you know that's in the faith, and just invite them to coffee into a relationship. <laughs> into a, but here's the point, into a relationship, because what I hear you talking about is relationships. Not learning the faith, not being taught objectives or being taught about the... Te- but being in a relationship with somebody that draws you into I, the faith. I totally agree. Totally agree. What? But the parishioners are baptized. Amen. Every member of my parish is called by Christ Mm -hmm. to open their hands to whoever it is God puts in their place. Every one of my parishioners should be living something that meets their needs so that one who is searching, if they met them, would say, why is it you live the way that you live? Heather, you're not like some... Heather is here helping this whole whole thing happen. You're like just as imbued with this grace as I am. And I constantly go against this idea that the priest is the one that can propose the life to others. You know what? We're broken. The church has a past that's crazy. We there, we don't have all the answers. We have my answer, which is Christ has changed my life and called me to this particular means with the sacraments, and so I need to give this way. But 
Joe. You're right. You you're change right. people's lives. I need people to meet you right. and not or, as a priest. Or, peop, or people, I mean, I can't imagine being somebody in your parish and meeting Joe Gannon for the first time oh. and being like, find out, like, if I could be friends with Joe Gannon, that'd be awesome. Joe Gannon, you know, realizing yeah. actually the power of the parishioner is almost more in some way because they're they're not obliged, if you will, to be the faithful one as the priest. Yeah. They're making the choice to be, to be this faith-filled person, and they're called to be a testament by baptism to the Catholic faith, to the Word of Christ, and to live that life sure. of holiness. And it goes back to the beginning of what we talked about, the saints. We need more canonized laity. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, and again, to, to show that, no, everyone is called to be a saint. Yeah. Uh, and so to be able to see, because... Heather's going to have an experience and a, and a life that's going to not resonate necessarily with what I could ever say, because I don't know what it's like. I, I don't live her life. But there might be another woman in our parish that needs to have a Heather step in yep. and say, I do understand. I get it. I get exactly what you're talking about. And let me tell you how Jesus has helped me through a similar situation. Because it's easy for her father. You know what? <laughs> Last night I stayed at, at Joe's house. I didn't hear a baby. I slept through it. <laughs> I had a good night's sleep at the Latin house uh, because it's not my kid you know uh, so I don't know what it was like I wasn't upstairs so this morning I woke up fresh ready to go uh, you know um, so I couldn't have a conversation with your wife and be able to sympathize because I slept through it yep. you know but another mother could say oh my gosh absolutely yep. I know what you're talking about yep. and that's the part where we're letting the we're taking from the laity a great gift is for them to discover that their story, their encounter, is so powerful yeah. that it's worth sharing. Sharing. And yeah. that, that they need to share their story, and, and they need to discover lives. that they can change the life of another person because Jesus Christ really is working in them. Yeah. And it's as we share our own story that we it becomes more real, and you're like, wow, this is really profound. Like, I didn't realize that until I just started sharing it, how profound that really was. And, mm-hmm. and, and giving them those tools to be able to let the Holy Spirit say, you know what, uh, I need to go over and talk to this person. Yeah. Just say hi. You know, I don't know why. Simple. Mother uh, Teresa says it begins with a smile. Yeah. Yeah. I've, the best definition of evangelization that I've heard is so simple. To speak to, a, to, speak to another of an event that has happened to me. Mm. That's it. Uh, something has happened to me. The divine somehow has visited me. And this relates to anyone, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, whatever. Somehow something mysterious has happened to me. And you speak to somebody else about it, and they're like, what? Really? Where? How? And when you follow mm-hmm. this, you begin to discover something's happened to me, an event, and that's what awakens the other. And everyone can do it. Right. But as a pastor, the, the place I have, the role I have, is to create that environment where the laity can do the work, yeah. where the laity can share the event that's happening to them. And I have to first be able to speak of the event. Right. If I can't speak of the event of God happening in my life, of Christ really coming to me, of the sacraments truly helping me, then everything else I do is going to be a structure that's going to be a house of cards. Mm-hmm. It's going to look nice maybe, but there's going to be a wind come through and it's all going to blow over. And, and, <laughs> and that happens when pastors move churches. You know, you see whether or not, like, the dynamics of a parish, and if it's an empowered laity within the parish or a laity responding to their vocation and their calling, because um, if the pastor leaves, the house of cards doesn't collapse or fall apart. And I, I think about that, even with my own position as director of formation, um, am I working and building a community 
that uh, sustains itself after I leave? Or is it just mm-hmm. the Joe Rutten show and people show up and then Joe's gone? And, <laughs> and if that's the case, then I'm, there's a problem. Yeah. Because then it's become about me and not about the community or about Christ, Christ himself. So what are we doing about the title of our show? I don't know. <laughs> Can anybody come in here and do the show? <laughs> right? No, it is totally true. There's this weird, it's both and. Somehow Christianity is transmitted through the flesh of a person, but it leads to Christ. Yeah. And so it does go through us, but we should be able to stop aside. And so you see the apostles moving, bringing the gospel, and then leaving. Uh, even Jesus left. Yeah. Even Jesus met a people in a town and then said, you know what, i got to go to another town. Yeah. Well, yeah. see, God's giving, God loves us because he's giving us six to ten years with a priest before the priest leaves town. Jesus didn't even stay a year for some people. <laughs> yeah. Well, he ditched all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it is good that he goes. <laughs> you know, but I do think that there is that part that, that the priest needs to stay long enough that, that there's the ability to build that up. Yeah. That, that if you look at a parish where they've had high turnover, uh, it's also not good for the, the, the parish because their identity, they keep struggling because it's this constant turning, turning, turning. But when a pastor can spend some time you know, really giving it to the laity and helping them understand it. And then when they walk away, they realize that it wasn't Father, mm-hmm. that it was really an authentic encounter. And then the next priest comes in and they can accept whatever new things uh, come in, in that as well. The uh, we got about 10 minutes left here before we wrap up the final hour of, uh, we aren't calling it Rutten Times 3 anymore, I guess. I, we need help from all of you listening. Yep. Tweet it out, shout it out. What is our know. name? What do, what do, what I do we keep title thinking the rut and go around, but the rut and go nobody around. else yeah, sticks know, with that. Uh, Mare go around, <laughs> rut and go around. I don't know. But, but we just go around and round and round. <laughs> Are we getting anywhere? <laughs> well, that may be true. Uh, it reminds me of growing uh, up at the family reunion in Larchwood when he got on the mare go round and he just tried to go as fast as he could all around it, and then somebody <laughs> fly off. <laughs> We're gonna go fast enough. Paul flies over to Rome. We'll get a name. I got a couple tweets. Uh, rut and round table. In a rut. In a, in a rut. In a rut. Uh, rut, yeah, yeah, rut. Yeah, in, in a rut. rut. That's it. Uh, there's, there's, all right. Yeah. Well, Keep them coming. Sh- yep. so, Keep them coming. We'll, we'll pick Shane, one out here. Shane Dranlo. Shout out. Uh, the Brothers Rutten. That's yeah, what I think. The Brothers, brothers Rutten. But this is a play on a book, right? Yeah. yeah. And does anybody, well, maybe we can re-educate but them. Here's, here's the question. Does anybody know that? But here's the question. Does that mean that our sisters can be a part of it? Yeah, yeah, two two brothers and a two fathers and a brother. You got two fathers and a brother. This is good. Okay, so far, coming, brothers, right? and a r- brothers rutten. Is I like, don't know. In a rut, we're all we in a rut, kind of. You know, it's like <laughs> we'll uh, figure it out. Oh, well, we, we appreciate everybody out there listening. It's been fantastic. We love being with you. We hope that maybe you've been inspired a little bit, encouraged a little bit, that you've received a little bit of hope here this morning. Uh, again, a shout out to the parents sending their kids off to school this yeah. morning, all the pictures on Facebook and all over the place. Uh, and then particularly to the parents, you know, just a blessing on the parents. Be that leader of faith for your families, you know, as hard as it can be sometimes in a challenging world, in a world where we're all broken, right? Uh, to, to step forward in simple ways, just small ways. Start right now, start today with prayer and asking the Lord to be in your heart and uh, doing what you can just to do the right thing. I think it's always a good thing. we got a couple minutes left. Uh, final thoughts or, I don't know, a book that you read that had something good in it that you'd like to share? Or what do you got for everybody? He who search finds. Yeah. He who search finds. Uh, I, I just had a book that was recommended, Drunks and Monks. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I'll read it on my way over to Rome. 
uh, on the airplane. Drunks and monks. Yep, drunks oh, and monks. Wow. So I'll let you know how it goes. And some yeah. might be monks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never know. No, I don't know. Yeah. They make it. I don't know. Didn't monks kind of start this whole brewery deal? Yeah. Uh, uh, so you're headed <laughs> off to Rome, Paul? What do you got going? Absolutely. I'm, uh, the church offers every 10 years of a priest priesthood the opportunity to do a sabbatical. So it's kind of like a working vacation in a sense. Uh, so I'll spend 10 weeks over in Italy uh, with 25 other priests. We'll do some study in the morning. We'll travel, uh, see the city, see the sites, uh, the importance of, of culture, faith, of beauty, of art. Uh, we'll do uh, time in the Holy Land to be able to see. The You're going to the Holy well. Land. So I'll go to the Holy Land oh, as well. Oh God, love it. Uh, yeah, so I, it's a great blessing. It's a great opportunity. Um, I was talking to someone <laughs> and they said, "Well, where's the mother sabbatical?" Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still working on mother's sabbaticals. I don't know how you're going to get one as a mother, but uh, but it is a great opportunity. You know, it's also going to be interesting because, again, for ten weeks I'll be gone, uh, and so for the parish to have you know visiting mm. priests come in and you know that reality of stepping out of your parish and letting your parish uh, continue to go on trust. without you. It's, it's trust. It's a, a healthy thing as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I've you know we'll see what happens. It's where I went to seminary, so I I really am kind of a creature of habit. And I like to do things that I know. Hmm. Uh, and so I remember the program. The only thing is, is I remember what I thought of the priest on sabbatical <laughs> when I was in seminary. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. You're going to be one of them. Am I going to have to wear Hawaiian shirts and khaki pants and, you know, uh, do all those things that they used to do? And probably will. <laughs> Isn't that kind of like parenting? You know, when you're growing up, you think, oh, my parents, you know. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, one day you're grown up and you're like, <gasps> that's me. That's a, I'm I'm my parents. I remember growing up, you know, that to grow up in our house on 732 West States was like living in a religious art museum. Oh, yeah. And it drove me crazy because you'd invite your friends over after school. And I was always embarrassed by all of these statues and things. And uh, so um, then they were always like calling the Carmelites and asking for prayers and having these nuns over and priests. Anyway, I thought it was nonsense. And yet then when I went through conversion, I started like, you know, I blessed Charles Foucault, now my favorite. And I got this prayer I really like and the litany of humility I'm giving to everybody. And uh, all of a sudden I'm like, I think I'm kind of like my favorite. And one day I was in a real bind in the seminary and I called the Carmelites oh my God. to ask for prayer. And I hung up the phone and I was like, I have become my mother <laughs> and I was so like you know this is the fear like you, you grow in little steps well th- th- I talked to my sister the next few days and she's like I hear you called the Carmelites I'm like what how do you know that I did that like anyone to know that I was getting religious or something you know and she's like well I talked to mother at Carmel and she said that you had just called I was like mother why are you telling them <laughs> the uh we're, we're really blessed with the Carmelite nuns. And, you know, as brothers, we, we've been blessed with faith. It is a gift that we are given at baptism, and that obviously continues to grow within us. And we pray for everybody listening that your faith might grow this day, that you might seek to follow Christ, to live a life of Christ, and particularly seek the assistance of the saints. You know, who's the saint that inspires you, that you call friend, that, you know, you can have that conversation with as you go about your day. And 
seek prayer from other people. Encourage and invite other people to pray for you and your challenges and the areas that you need some assistance. Particularly, we do have this great gift in the Catholic Church of cloistered uh, religious that spend their whole day in prayer and sacrifice for others. Uh, the Carmelite nuns in Alexandria, Minnesota are the ones that I always depend upon. We have the Red Sisters, these Sisters of Perpetual Adoration up at the cathedral. Give them a call. Encourage them and invite them to pray for you as you seek to be heroes and seek to be saints. Amen. 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 This is uh, Joe Rutten, Father Paul Rutten, Father John Rutten, coming at you live from Lamb Catholic Radio. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next month.